Hello, everyone. Welcome to our transition conversation. This is a Gaia radio call. It's a four-part series, and it's being brought to you by a partnership between Gaia University and the Transition Network. This is our third call. The series has been going great so far. We've had a lot of different people from all over the world calling in, having good conversation, and some ending with some clear ideas and next steps. For today's call, the topic is going to be Building Personal Resilience. How to Sustain Momentum. Our speaker will be Sophie Banks. My name is Jennifer English, and I'll be gladly and happily facilitating the call for you today. To get us started, I do have a few quick announcements. Technically wise, the call is going to be an hour and a half. If you need to leave partway through, there will be an audio recording made available to you. It will be sent to your email. We'll be using a platform called Maestro Conference. Those of you who have come in on these calls for the previous weeks know a little bit about that now. There is a screen share link that was sent to you in an email about two hours ago. So if you have not yet opened that link, please do so. There are a number of ways which we're going to engage um, on the call today. And one way is that we can press keys on our keypad, and that keypad can be on a phone, a Skype, a cell phone, or MC dialer. Um, wherever your keypad is, you can press number one if you have any issues with the screen share or any other tech issues, and I'll do my best to find a moment to come and put you in a private room and assist you. You can also email me at jennifer at gaiauniversity.org, and I'll be checking my email periodically throughout the call. You can also Skype me with a text message, and my Skype is jennifer underscore docshaw underscore English, and that middle piece is D-A-U-K-S-H-A. If you have a question during the call, you can press number two, and that will be an indication that you would like the presenter, Sophie, to answer a question or maybe paraphrase what she had just said because you hadn't heard it clearly. And I'll do my best to call on you at an appropriate time. Okay, with that in mind right now, I want to just get a sense of who some of our callers are. If you're willing to be like, uh, you know, one of the few folks who jump out right now and say your name, where you're calling in from, press 2 so that I can call on you. Um, I'm looking for you know, maybe three folks who are willing to share a little bit about what brought you to the call today. Anyone feel like speaking, press number 2. Okay, Charles, share your name, where you're calling in from, and a little bit about what brought you to the call. Thanks, Jennifer. Hi, everyone. My name is Charles Thibodeau. I'm calling in from the province of New in Atlantic Canada. And uh, we've recently started a transition initiative here in town, so uh, I'm really enjoying these calls, and I'm looking forward to this one. Thanks. Great. Thank you. Okay. I don't see anyone else's hands up, so I'm wondering if I could just maybe randomly call on a few people. If you don't feel like sharing because maybe you're making tea or something's distracting you, um, just say pass, and I'll call on someone else. 
Um, I do see Len has his hand up, though. Len, would you like to check in? Yes, thank you. Uh, this is Len Krimmerman from Eastern Connecticut in the U.S., and uh, I'm uh, excited about the call because I want to learn more about uh, what Sophie has called inner transition. <clears throat> yeah, I'm excited about that, too. It's very important. All right, and then we have Alexandra. Hey, um, I'm Alexandra. I'm calling from England, um, Marlborough in Wiltshire. Um, we've had a transition initiative a couple of years, um, and um, resilience is definitely more than community um, focused. It's, it has to be personally focused as well, because otherwise you can burn yourself out, and that's something we're all trying not to do at the moment. Wonderful point, Alexandra. Great. How about we'll take one more person? Marjo, do you have your hand up? Welcome. Thank you. I'm calling from Sweden, and um, I'm in charge of an NGO uh, organization, and I've also taken the initiative to a transition um, town or transition village in our local society. Great. Thanks for being on the call and everyone that spoke up. I appreciate that very much. And we'll have an opportunity to hear from folks the call. So I would like to go ahead and get us started um, by telling us a little bit more about the topic and introducing Sophie. Again, the topic for the call is Building Personal Resilience, How to Sustain Momentum. And Sophie put together a little description. She said, in these changing times, we are constantly challenged to maintain our ability to act and remain healthy. For the call today, we're going to ask, what are some of the important ways to maintain our personal resilience, and how can we build those into our lives and our projects, which is such an important topic. Sophie has jointly set up the first Heart and Soul group in Totnes in 2006. She founded Transition Training and has delivered launch and other workshops to transition projects around the world and is currently coordinating work in her inner transition for the Transition Network. A trainer for over 20 years, she has worked as an engineer, information systems consultant, and psychotherapist and has considerable experience of voluntary sector and community projects. And with that, I'm very pleased and honored to have Sophie on our call. And I'm going to hand it over to you. Your mic is on. Welcome. Very exciting. Sophie, um, for huh? some reason, there is a little glitch with your microphone. I can hear every other word. So if you would make sure that you're... Um, before there was there was no problem whatsoever. So go ahead and speak again. Um, there is a little bit of an issue. Go ahead and speak one more time. Okay. There is a problem with Sophie's mics, folks. Folks. So I'm gonna, you know, Sophie and I were talking for about 15 minutes before the call. So I'm not quite sure what it is. I'm wondering if um, maybe it has an issue because you're sharing a line with someone. Uh, 
isn't on the line. Okay, there it's come back again. Let's go ahead and try starting again. Nope. Okay, what I would like to do is I'm going to ask a few more people to check in. Thanks for your patience, folks, while we try to figure this out. Sophie, if you would do me a favor and go ahead and hang up and dial back in, it could be that your connection has gotten um, discombobulated or, or something. Hello? There you are. So let's go ahead and hear from a few more people about why they're on the call while we wait for um, Sophie's mic to get checked. And again, I want to thank you all for your patience. So I see Kate has, has dialed in. Kate, would you like to share? Yeah, hi, this is Kate. I'm calling in from Chicago today. And um, I'm really just looking forward to, you know, learning more about how I can strengthen myself through personal resilience. And then hopefully that might be able to help me work with others a little bit better. Great. Excellent to hear. Okay, and thanks, folks, for for raising your hand there in this piece. So, Elise, would you please check in? Yeah, hi, I'm Elise Ansel. I'm calling from Massachusetts in the United States, um, and I just started the bachelor program uh, orientation last week. Um, I'm really excited to be a part of a Gaia radio call. It's my first one. Um, and learning how to sustain momentum. Okay. Great. Thank you, Elise. All right. Well, Sophie has called back in, and let's cross our fingers that we can hear her now. Sophie, let's check on your microphone. How are you doing? Are you with us? Let's see if this is working. It sounds better Yay. from my end. Yep. I hear, I hear 20 people clapping. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Let's go ahead and get started, Sophie. Thanks, Jennifer. <laughs> So, yeah, I want to echo Jennifer's welcome to this call. It feels very exciting to be um, connecting with people in different parts of the world and slightly strange to be speaking to my computer screen but also to all of you. Um, so the theme for this, um, for this evening's conversation is going to be personal resilience and sustaining momentum. Um, and for me, this is a really important topic. It's It's not a kind of side question, how do we keep ourselves going in order to do the really big thing, which is transition and all the activities of transition? I think there's something about this question of how we uh, create and maintain our own balance and our own resilience that's really central to the question of what transition is actually about. Um, and I'll say a little bit more about that later on. Um, I'd, li I'd like to start, I hope you can all see um, the, the presentation that I've put together just to give us some images to look at. If not, I'll be saying what's on all the slides anyway, so don't worry if you haven't got that up. And I'm going to give a short introduction and then the first part of this conversation will be an opportunity for you to just think a bit about what resilience is for you. You know, what's what's your health? What's it like when you feel really good in yourself? What are the things that take you away from that? Um, and what brings you back to health again? So we're going to start by you hearing from each other as well as hearing from me. Um, this first 
the first slide just gives a, a little definition of, of what personal resilience is. So it will be coming on your screens if it's not quite there yet. I'm sure many of you have heard of the term resilience as something that transition uses as an alternative to talking about sustainability. That resilience is the ability of any system to absorb stress or shock and still function. So in the transition journey, having resilient communities means that we can deal with shocks like oil price rises, um, climate change events, but we can still function well as communities. For people, it's about living with stress or um, impacts or giving a lot or the, all the chops and changes that life brings for us and staying healthy and well and energized. So that ability to bounce back when things are difficult. I think that transition brings its own very particular health hazards. So as well as bringing many, many benefits of connections, people doing more healthy things together, making friends, um, learning new skills, getting outdoors more, all of these are things that I've done more of since I've been in transition. I think transition has its particular risks as well. And it's to do with the project that we're engaged with of changing the culture and the direction of our society. So these are just some of the things that I think uh, make transition a particularly, um, I don't know what the word is, maybe hazardous, kind of risky thing to do. The first is the size of the problem that we, that we face. You know, it's an unprecedented challenge to turn around a global civilization. Nobody's ever done it before. It's a huge, huge task. And compared with the most of the population in many of the places, there's just a few of us that are taking on at least one part of that huge project. Of course, we're connected and linked with many, many other people working in other projects. There's a sense of how urgent it is, and over the years, that sense of urgency, for me anyway, has really increased. That feeling that there's not much time to make a difference, to, um, to, to make a better world in the future. And as climate change feels more and more present with us, that sense of urgency for me increases. It's really important how much is at stake. Um, when I think about the future and I look at younger generations, I don't have children, but if I did, I know it would feel even more vital to make these changes now to secure the future for our children. So it's a it's a work that sits right at the heart of what most of us care about the most. And because it's something that we care about so deeply, there's going to be a lot of feelings that come through being engaged with this process. Feelings of anger and frustration um, with a wider system, with politicians, with corporations. Feelings of grief about what we're losing. Feelings of fear about what the future will be like for our children. And if we don't keep having spaces to process those feelings, they end up as a kind of energy sapping thing that we're carrying around and pressing down inside us. And I imagine there's other things that we could add to that list. So there's something about the nature of transition that makes it a very particular field um, with particular stresses. 
So I'd like us to go into a, a little kind of check-in amongst ourselves um, and just ask ourselves some questions about your own health and health and well-being and resilience. And you may have done this already, in which case take the opportunity to see if there are different answers when you do this a second time. And I thought I would do this because it's something that you might like to take to your group. It's a very simple series of questions and it could be applied to an individual, which is what we're going to do now. But you also could do this for your whole group. You know, what's well-being within your group? How do you lose it and what brings you back? So the first question that um, I'm going to ask you to spend just a couple of minutes exploring, and Jennifer's going to put you into pairs so you can have a conversation with somebody else. The first question is, what is health for you? What does it feel like? What, how do you feel in yourself when you're feeling well and healthy? And that might be physically, emotionally, mentally, maybe even spiritually, or in any other kind of way that comes to your mind. So you've only got two minutes, so you won't have time to, to answer all of those things, but just see what happens when you ask that question. And my invitation is that one of you speaks for two minutes and the other just listens, um, and then Jennifer will let you know when to swap over. And that really this is an inquiry for yourself. So if you find that you have difficulty hearing the other person, just take that time to reflect for yourself, and you might even like to make notes of, um, for this if you have a pen and paper. Don't worry if you don't. Um, you can always come back and do it again or make notes afterwards. So over to you, Jennifer. The question is, what is health for you? How do you feel when you're feeling healthy? What does that feel like? How do you Thank know? Thank you. Sophie, great context. So again, I just want to remind you, if you find yourself in a room with just one person in there because the other person's dropped off or you can't hear them, this is a very self-reflective question as well. Plan on coming back to the group with maybe um, some reflection to share. I'm going to put you in a room now and give you 30 seconds to just introduce yourself to the person, decide who's going to go first. You're going to be in the same group for a number of questions. So that will give you a moment to say hello. And then I'll ring a bell when it's time for the second person or the first person to begin and then to end as well. You are now Please bring your conversation to a close. This breakout session is now ending. Hey everyone, this is Jennifer. I'm just going to put everyone on mute so that you don't hear anything there. Give me a second. Okay, so we're back in the main room and I would like to hear from, again, two or three people. And it would be great if folks raised their hand, but again, I might just kind of randomly call on folks. We'd like to hear from a few people about what came up for you as examples for that first question can raise your hand pressing a number two, um, and Sophie can respond back. And then we have four more questions for you to think about as well. Is anybody interested in sharing? So as you know, this call is um, part of a Guy University call series. So there are 
a few associates who just raised their hand. Kate? Yeah, hi. Um, me and I think it was Tyler just talked a little bit about how it's kind of, when we're feeling healthy, um, it's something which I personally like don't have to think about so much because I'm already in the flow of things. But the issue is maybe initiating that momentum and then um, retaining it once we have it and keeping it going. And so just being free of any inhibitions or like not being impeded in uh, your daily tasks and struggles. And then also when you are receiving information, not to get um, not to get put down by those. I think those are all a big part of health. And so we just talked a little bit about that. Great. Thanks, Kate, for sharing. I resonate with that. Sophie, I have your mic on if you would like to reflect back or um, go deeper with that. Um, I don't have anything to add. It feels great to just to hear. kind of. And I think it's interesting that we don't often ask this question, isn't it? We, we notice when our bodies stop working or when we're not healthy. But I think it's interesting to ask the question, you know, what does health really feel like? How do we know that we're there? So, yeah, thanks for sharing that, Kate. That's mm-hmm. great. Brilliant for pointing that out, Sophie. Elise, you have your hand up too, so we'll take one more person. Elise? Thanks. Um, when I'm healthy and I I feel strong and uh, confident and I, like, I have a lot of energy and it's easy to engage with the various aspects of my life um, and that kind of thing was really reflected also by the other people in my group as well. I was actually in a group of three. I don't know if that was intentional. Thanks. <clears throat> Great. Thanks. Yeah, so feeling well and strong and able to engage with things. Great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I forgot to mention that there was one group of three. Thanks for pointing that out. So your group is going to need to split your time a little bit more. We didn't have an even number. Um, let's, do we have time for one more person, Sophie? Um, I'd like to keep going because we've got a few okay. questions to get through. Great, um, so maybe that anyone else who's ready to speak can just hold up for the next question. Mm-hmm. Um, and the next question is, what what reduces your well-being? So what kind of things impact on your health? And I guess... You know, I'd like I'd like us to think not just of physical health, but of all aspects of health. You know, what kind of things stress you? And particularly, you might want to think about um, that question in relation to transition activities or, you know, the kind of activities that you do in your transition projects. So in those situations, particularly, what kind of things um, bring you stress or reduce your well-being? Okay, we'll do the same thing, and since we do have a group of three, I'll um, ring the bell at um, the two minutes, two minutes, and then I'll just give you another um, 30 seconds there at the end to make sure that that group of three um, is able to. So we're going to keep repeating this pattern. If you would like to share about this question, please raise your hand with the number two, and we'll take a, a few people. All right, Charles, you've got your hand up. Yeah, thanks, Jennifer. 
So um, I guess two points here to sum up our conversation. The first one was not being able to uh, put things into action um, and, uh, you know, the stress that that causes. And the other one was um, people not getting engaged on a consistent basis or uh, not being engaged on the bigger problems like, uh, uh, you know, hydrocarbon dependency or environmental degradation or even inner transition, which is a, a big part of all this stuff. Thanks. Okay, and then we also have Alexandra. Um, hello. Um, I said, um, being very basic, actually, the things that um, reduce my well-being are things like um, if I don't sleep well, if I don't eat properly. Um, but we also agreed that um, getting carried away and overextending ourselves um, is really stressful too much to do in too little time. Um, and the other thing that really um, was important was, um, as stated before, the sheer magnitude of the task. So if you take it too seriously um, and don't try and lighten it up and have some fun like that kitten, um, then it can really get you down and you can feel powerless. Yeah, thanks for those, and um, I'm really appreciating the kind of variety of things. So some of it is about looking after ourselves physically, um, and it's great to hear that named. We need to get enough sleep and eat well. Um, things that we do, so we do too much, or we don't have enough rest, we don't have enough fun. And then also what you brought, Charles, about other people, what other people do um, is frustrating or, you know, the, the fact that we can't get on and do the things we want to do. So it's like there's so many different kind of factors that can that can cause us stress, things we do ourselves and also what's happening around us. Great examples. Are we ready for the next question? Yeah, I think taking two people is a is a good process. It gives us a little taste anyway. So yeah, mm -hmm. thanks. So the next question is for you what are the warning signs that you're starting to move away from health? What happens? How does your system tell you that things are going, starting to go less well? And it feels to me like part of our nature as human beings is there are always warning signals. So there's always something. It might be physical. It might be emotional. It might be mental. I don't know if spiritual kind of means anything in this context, but it might be. You know, what, what part of our system tells us that things are starting to get out of balance? So what are those warning signs for you? And again, just a couple of minutes each. Okay, so we're going to do the same bell system that we just did. So it'll be two minutes, two minutes, and then a 30 seconds wrap up. Here we go. You are now in a breakout. Please begin. Please bring your conversation to a close. This breakout session is now ending. All right. Once again, this is Jennifer bringing us back into the main room. And if you could raise your hand with the number two to share. So 
raising your hand with the number two to share about what the warning signs are. I don't see anyone with their hands up yet. There's got to be people who know their warning signs. All right, good. Okay, we've got two folks now. Uh, Mateo. Yes. Um, I was speaking with Maria, and the, the signs that we identified were irritability, which is a sign of stress, uh, pain, and tiredness in the body. When, when people tell us that, um, that they think something might be wrong with us, when other people notice, that can also be a good warning sign because we don't always notice ourselves. Um, when we find ourselves blaming others for our problems, that can be another good sign. Mm-hmm. And um, feeling overwhelmed or like there's not enough time is another one. Awesome. Okay, and then <laughs> when I started picking you on, on y'all, there was a lot of people that raised their hands. I'm sorry. But Len was the first one. So, Len? Yes, just to add what Alexandra and I had come up with, uh, the irritability was there uh, as one factor. And uh, sometimes feeling tense or foggy, um, your mind gets a little cloudy. That could be either from the wrong kinds of food or from stress or both. Um, And an interesting one was when you no longer feel in the flow, like your your emotions have not been, uh, and you're starting to think what's the best thing to do, what next, and so on, and you're outside of what you're doing rather than being really inside of it. Uh, that that might be a, uh, one of the uh, signals. <clears throat> Great. Thanks, Len. And for all of those who were brave to raise their hand, if you could do it for the next question. Sophie, over to you. Thanks for those. Uh, and it could be a really long list, I imagine, if we heard from everybody. Um, there are so many kind of different parts of our system that tell us. And, yeah, I love hearing that, that our friends and our colleagues are part of our health system, that they also let us know if something's a bit um, unusual about us. So the next question, I think, is one of the most um, important about the, this whole issue of personal resilience, which is how do you override those warning s- signals? So what do you do to ignore them? And it may be that you never do this, um, in which case, congratulations. Um, but but you know, sometimes when we have really big deadlines or there's big things going on, or sometimes it just becomes a habit for us that we keep going even though we're getting the warning signals. So, yeah, just a, a couple of minutes. What are the ways that you override the information that you need to stop and take care of yourself? Mm-hmm. Okay, so same partners and same timing. Here we go. We'll get started in just a second. This is Jennifer back in the main room, and I'd like for you to raise your hand by pressing number two to share. Okay, Tom, if you could share, please, on how you override 
Hi, Tom from Sydney in Australia. One of the things that I do particularly, or not one of the things, but things like uh, eating is a way of you know, kind of overriding, I guess, overriding in two senses, uh, or having too much wine, or doing things that distract my attention from you know, how I'm feeling or, work, or working on the problem. Uh, and so those things tend to you know, push... Uh, uh, you know, if I'm feeling a bit, uh, a bit down or overwhelmed, that tends to push the feelings in the background. Um, on the other side of override, uh, Charles was uh, really just talking about how uh, he uh, can ha uh, get into nature, and uh, that really is a big, a big help. Um, and of course, when I look at it on on that side as well, uh, you know, getting into the garden. Um, hanging out with friends and living the transitioned life, just having that as a mindset, uh, that's a good way of, you know, for me to feel happy, just to realise that I'm actually doing it, not just always striving. Thank you. Okay. All right, well, no one else has their hand up, so I'll put myself on deck. This is Jennifer. I don't really have a specific comment, but I want to add to what Tom said, that Charles said. And I think it's fascinating how the answer to this question would be different depending on which zone of um, that sort of like pushing yourself you're on. So Michelle and Joel Levy have this book called Living in Balance, and they talk about the comfort zones and the the zone of rusting away and the zone of burning out. And I think that the answer to this question would depend on which of those extremes you're pushing. Check. Yeah. I've, I've heard from a number of people on this kind of question, how do you override them? And And for some people it's just a little voice in the head that says, oh, that's not important, you know, that's not important, I must keep going. And one way that I do it is just to ignore what's happening, just to kind of not pay it any attention, a bit like Tom was saying, and just uh, distract myself from those feelings. So this this piece for me is really important because there's always warning signals trying to get us back on track. Um, and uh, Tom, you were pointing us to the very last question, um, which is the alternative, obviously, to overriding the warning signals. And the very last question of this inquiry, and then I'm just going to do a bit more kind of talking about resilience and the theme is, what brings us back to health? You know, what is it that brings us back to that sense of well-being? So you mentioned kind of friends and time out in nature. Um, and I think it's really good. I, I spoke to somebody who was was on a really busy time when she was traveling and she had a list of things and how long they would take. So you could use this question as a, as a way of making a list for yourself. So she would have a kind of 10-minute foot rub or a half-an-hour massage, you know. What are the things that she could do to, to give herself a bit of well-being? So have a couple of minutes um, to start to think of what that list is for you. And you might even think about how long do you need to do them. Mm -hmm. So the final question. How long and how frequent, yeah. yeah. All right, here we go, folks. You are now, the session is now ending.
All right. Hey, everyone. This is the, the last time we're coming back into the main room with uh, a question preceding us. So raise your hand with the number two if you would like to share about what restores well-being in your life, please. Okay, so let's hear from Kristen. Hi, yeah, um, thank you. Um, so we were just talking about um, the separation of mind and body can create stress, being in your head and pushing forward with a, an idea and kind of leaving the body behind. And so the things that bring restoration back to me would be sometimes uh, definitely yoga and uh, breath and a re-acknowledgement of the body. And so any way that we can do that, like we said before, like gardening or um, other activities that can feel very visceral and be in our bodies and acknowledge that body and mind connection and kind of bring them back into a more integrated state. Thank you. Mm. Mm-hmm. Great. Okay, and then let's hear from Elisa. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was thinking about, like, things like spending time in nature or learn to, p- new, to play a new instrument or timeless play kind of thing. And I realized that like, um, uh, to do it for their own sake, not of being on my way to somewhere. Often I go to nature and I have like a, a thought of I want to increase my connection to nature or, or whatever. And even if it's a good thought that I'm bringing when I want to play or learn an instrument or whatever I do to restore well-being, I'm, I'm still on my way somewhere. So uh, for me, it's, uh, it's a good thing to just do all these things with not going anywhere and just grow my flowers and sit with, um, have good conversations with friends over a cup of tea and play in nature with myself or with, with friends and and not be on my way to somewhere with it. So that's, um, I'm, I'm happy for that insight uh, in my own way of view. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Okay, Sophie, I'm going to turn your mic back on so that you can um, reflect and also guide us on to the next part of your presentation. Great. Thanks, Jennifer. And uh, thanks for all of those um, insights and sharings that you've brought back um, I was really enjoying those last two, uh, mentioning the body. Um, somebody here in Totnes offered a personal resilience workshop, and one of the insights that I really got from that was what a resource the body is, you know, that that there's a way in which we can't process anything, thoughts or feelings, or, you know, we can't get engaged with anything other than through through the body. And, uh Kristen, what you were saying, you know, often we kind of go off into our heads and and through our heads and our thoughts we may be feeling and thinking all kinds of things that have emotional charge to them, but unless we're in our bodies and we're actually feeling something in our bodies, we can't process those emotions. So that point about coming back into the body feels like a really good one to make and different ways of doing it. And um, Elisa, what you were saying also really resonated for me, so... I know that I can go out into the garden and I can go with a kind of objective and just get into that habit of doing things and it's as if I've got the same energy that I that I have when I'm doing my work, you know, when I'm doing my transition things. Um and I have to really stop myself sometimes to just listen 
And for me, the switch is between kind of pushing and being outward in what I'm doing and just stopping to let things come into me, sort of receiving. Um, so I hope that was an interesting inquiry um, for all of you and, and that there, there's something in there that was new or maybe that it's helpful to kind of feel again. Um, and I just want to put up uh, what what I came up with as a kind of really, really simple three-stage model about resilience. It's got a kind of green, orange, and red, a bit like the traffic lights. And the first starting point is, a, is that we start from health. Um, and one way of understanding health, people were talking about this question of balance, is that we have a balance between the times that we're doing and the times that we're being or that we're still you know, how much we give and how much we take when we're active, when we're still and receptive and listening. Um, and I think that word balance is a really helpful pointer to what health is, that as soon as we do too much of either of those things, you know, if we do too much being, we just feel kind of stuck and, um, yeah, kind of that nothing happens. There's no interest in what's going on. And if we get stuck in too much doing, we become kind of manic and disconnected and eventually exhausted. So phase two, when we're in the kind of amber warning phase, the orange phase, we get warning signals. It's a really simple model. And we have a choice then that either we take action and do something to restore our balance. Or if we don't take any action, we just head further towards depletion. Uh, I think it's interesting that this kind of um, polarizing between lots and lots of activity and people who are exhausted or stuck, we can see in a lot of the illnesses of our culture. So things like manic depression, you know, is where people exist at one end of this sort of polarity between doing a lot, you know, that sort of hyperactive state and feeling very low and low energy. And we have other illnesses that feel like it's really an expression of how much overactivity and overstress there is in our culture, things like ME or chronic fatigue syndrome, you know, where people get to a state of complete exhaustion and their whole immune system um, that's part of what helps you to be resilient to stress is no longer really functioning. Once you get to that state of exhaustion, and some of us might even have got to that, you know, often there's a much longer re recovery period than if we'd just taken a few days out each time uh, we, we were getting the warning signals at an early stage. And of course, there are some people, even when they're exhausted, you know, that will just keep going until their body gives out completely, so... So that's a kind of really simple three-stage model. And for me, uh, I've spent a lot of time looking at resilience and this polarizing between action and stillness. Um, and this process feels like it's a really basic form of what inner practices give us. So the first stage of any inner practice is simply bringing awareness to a system. So something like mindfulness or meditation. Um, if we were in a group, that awareness might be the group making time to self-reflect. 
you know, how are we? What's our energy levels like? How sustainable are we? And in Totnes, one of the very first things that we did when the core group formed was we asked ourselves that question, you know, as a as a group, and how sustainable is each of us? And we found that there wasn't anybody in the group who, who felt they would be able to keep up their current level of activity for six months. That was a really, really useful conversation to have at the beginning of the group, to know that we weren't actually sustainable. Um, and it meant that we could take action to, to address that, which we did. We said either we need to get somebody paid to help us or we need to cut down the amount of work that we did, that we're doing. So the first step in in maintaining health is simply to be able to bring awareness to the to the system. Um, and if we're caught in endless pressure to keep doing, that's part of what knocks out our resilience, is that we, we don't even have time to stop and notice what's happening. Stage two of, of uh, creating health is to be able to tell the difference between what health is and what, and what health isn't. So that very first inquiry, you know, what does health feel like, is just as important, I think, as what are the warning signals that something's not right. So we can really notice which state we're in. The third, um, the third stage of this kind of process of health is being able to make a choice. And sometimes it feels like we don't have a choice. Sometimes it feels like, you know, the deadlines are, are too pressing or the issues are too important or other people are depending on us. And we really have to push ourselves to keep going, even though we know it's not good for us. So there's something about finding even in those moments when it feels like there's no choice, whether there's a belief that's creating that or whether it's really, really true. Because often there is some way of, of making choice for ourselves if we just um, take, take a bit of a more courageous step, for instance, to let other people down or have a conversation where we move the deadline back. And the last part of this kind of process for maintaining health is about having tools, knowing what it is that brings us back to health. And this is a really, really simple model, but it's actually very powerful. So it's actually the basis for all kind of inner work and all um, feedback systems uh, within any kind of system. So whether it's a group or an organization, you know, these stages what enables any system to kind of keep itself on track and keep itself functioning well. And the very last um, slide that I want to offer you is to talk about why burnout is not a side effect in the transition movement. Um, and the reason for this is that burnout is actually what's happening to our planet. So the issues that transition attempts to address are about a culture which creates burnout on a global scale. And I think it's interesting to reflect that all the words we use about our own um, health issues, our own exhaustion and depletion, are exactly the same as the words that we might use about the planet. You know, so we talk about exhausted resources or depleted resources or exhausted ecosystems. And you could say that, you know, we are literally burning up the planet because we're burning up all of the carbon deposits. 
So for me, this question of whether we create burnout in our transition initiatives, it's not a side issue because it's at the heart of the culture that we're trying to address. You know, we live in a culture that overuses resources, that keeps going, that doesn't listen to warning signals, that doesn't slow down or stop to create a response when we're seeing already, you know, all the warning signals of climate change and other um, environmental and other impacts. So in transition, if we're just creating the same system within our groups or within our own kind of personal habits, we could expect that because we're part of the wider culture that creates burnout. But also, if we want to heal that wider system and create a different one, we really need to know how to deal with burnout ourselves and how to create an alternative. So for me, it's actually at the heart of creating culture within transition is to create systems that maintain us in a state of resilience and well-being. So I hope that kind of makes sense. Um, for me, this inquiry has been really fascinating. Um, and I'm, I'm not going to go into more of it in a lot of detail now, but that question about you know, why we keep going for economic growth, why we have a culture that continually distracts itself from feeling our our pain, which is one of the symptoms that things are wrong, you know, why we continually keep going for more and more activity, more travel, more consumption, feels like it's something very deep inside our kind of culture. So, yeah, so I hope... I guess my kind of intention uh, with creating this inquiry and this um, particular presentation was to encourage you to have the discussion back in your transition groups. Um, and I hope this sort of helps to resource you to do that because it does feel such a central kind of question. And I know there's many people in transition that are very keen on the doing side of transition. Um, and I hope talking about health and well-being, talking about our own sustainability gives us a way to raise some of the questions maybe with those people that are more um, dedicated to doing and that sees the, the pausing and, and reflecting sometimes as a kind of waste of time. So uh, we have a little bit of time now if there's any questions or any comments. So if anyone would like to ask anything or share anything that you've particularly got from doing this inquiry and hearing this talk. Um, it would be lovely to hear from you. Okay, and just a reminder, you can press the number two key, and I'll call on you. Okay. All right, your mic is on, Tom. Uh, hi, uh, so if you let what you said about choice uh, really resonated uh, for me quite strongly. Um, one thing I'd like to say that uh, Grandmaster Shingen taught me is that the bridge between suffering and happiness can be crossed by a single thought. And uh, by believing that's true at all times, then it, it really uh, helps with being in a choice space. Um, and, and another thing about that too, just at work at the moment, with in conversation with my boss, he's been mentoring me to improve my uh, lift my game, and so it's been pretty good pressure on me, which is an agreement we had. Um, 
and that's once again is to be able to make the choice about responding differently and you know learning new skill uh, in order to be able to uh, work at a work at a higher level so I think that thing about choice and and arming ourselves with with the uh, you know, tools and, and recognising what skills we can bring to, to the situations can help us to, to get into another space where we can do things more, more effectively, keep our balance, keep a balance in the, in the storm of that busyness. Check. Yeah, that's great. Thanks, Tom. Um, and I, I love that, uh, that sense that the, the kind of, the, the, move from stress to spaciousness can happen just in a fraction of a second, isn't it? That that just by catching it and bringing awareness to what's happening, we can really change our inner state very quickly, just like that. And I think it's also helpful, and sometimes I need to remember it for myself. Sometimes I can't do that, and I just need to be compassionate with myself, that the stress is there and I'm in some kind of triggered state and... Sometimes I can't always bring myself out of it. But I think it's lovely to have that kind of that sense and that ability, um, yeah, that bringing awareness can do that. And I think that other point you make, you know, sometimes I, I think people hear me talk and it's as if I don't, I, I think there should never be any stress. But actually stress within a system is part of what helps us to grow and develop, isn't it? And what I hear is you making a very conscious choice to you know, to have someone encourage you to put pressure on. Um, and that feels like a really sensible way of doing it. Because we do need that. You know, stress is part of what enables a system to strengthen um, and, and grow new potential. So, yeah, thanks. Okay. We have about three more questions. Um, the next one is from Marjo. Okay, it's not it's not really a question. I was just going to say thank you for for pointing out on your on your screen here to us that burnout is not it's not a side effect, but it's sort of part of what we're struggling for. <laughs> that was um, that was neat to hear you say. Because um, I've been in a situation, as I've been talking to Maffeo about that, it has been very stressful that several persons in our transition group, for example, has not, in my opinion, seen such a broad perspective of the transition questions. And I've <laughs> worked so much and I was close to a brim, to a breakdown and uh, mm-hmm. and uh, to, to read your sign saying that this is not a side effect but it's it's rather natural because it's part of what we're working for. That was very freeing and I want to mm-hmm. thank, you, thank you for pointing it out that way. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I, for me, there's a there's a kind of understanding which uh, has, I've really seen comes from a kind of inner perspective and working psychologically with people 
which is that the, the dynamics of the wider system that we really need to learn about will come into our meetings. You know, and, and there's one whole kind of way of being, which is to pretend that we're not like that. You know, we're not like the system that we're trying to change. You know, we're not like the capitalist system or we're not like the systems that create domination. But actually, for me, a wiser approach is to say, because we've grown up in those systems, it's completely inside us. You know, it's not separate from us. And those same dynamics that we're seeking to change out there are all going to walk into the room with each one of us and show up in our meetings. And for me, that's a much more a much stronger, it's a more realistic, but also it's a, it gives you the opportunity to learn from the dynamics that come into the room and that show up as problems in our meetings as being the things that teach us about the system we're trying to change and, and how we can engage with that process of change because we can engage with it in the conflicts and the difficulties and the exhaustion and, and all those other kind of problems that, that arise in our groups. So there's a kind of attitude that says, whatever comes up in our meetings, that's the learning. You know, it's not something to be got through or pushed aside. It's something that needs to be given attention to and balanced with, you know, our objectives and the things that we're trying to do in the world. So for me, it's a different attitude to things like conflict and, and resilience, personal resilience. So, yeah, thank you, Margot. That's really lovely sharing. Okay. So, folks, we have about five more minutes left in the call, and I want to make sure that we save a minute or two for announcements. There are two more people with questions. If you could each be very um, precise with your question, and then, Sophie, I'll ask if you could be succinct with your answer, too. That will give both of yeah. you a chance to share. So, Len, how about you go first? Yes, thank you, Jennifer. Um, <clears throat> I'm uh, concerned about the process of balance because I find myself – uh, successful uh, almost only when I am burnt out and then take a, uh, a, a break. Uh, if I don't get to the point of being burnt out or at least overextending, um, things don't get done. That's happened over and over again. Um, and I don't think it's realistic, uh, or at least for me it's not realistic, to think of completely being uh, uh, balanced and always physically, mentally, and so on healthy. Um, it would be wonderful, but I don't think it's realistic. Thanks, Len. Um, and I, I don't think I live a perfect life of balance, and I don't know anybody who works in transition who does. Um, but I guess there's something about not getting to that point of complete exhaustion. So often we have a pattern of we overextend ourselves a bit and then we have a recovery period. Um, and I think that's, you know, totally fine. And I totally see it in myself as well. So, yeah, thank you. Okay, and then we have uh, time for a quick final question from Charles. Thanks, Jennifer. Thanks, Sophie. This is wonderful. I really appreciated um, everything you brought forward and, and, and the importance you know, of, of, of discussing this and addressing this in, in, in the group meetings and stuff. I'm wondering if there's other activities you could suggest uh, that might do the same thing that uh, 
um, you know, we could try different things in our transition initiatives to uh, a discovery forward group. Thanks. Yeah, and um, I mean, there's there's so many practices on there. It's one of the challenges of talking about inner transition is that there are so many whole movements within the kind of personal growth or spiritual or psychological movements, and all of them are inner transition, and you could pick any one of them. Um, so what we found in, in the Heart and Soul group in Totnes is that, you know, different practitioners have offered different things and the practice within Heart and Soul was just to say, yes, thank you for bringing the work that reconnects from Joanna Macy. Thank you for bringing contact improvisation. Thank you for bringing mindfulness. Thank you for bringing um, community building from Scott Peck. You know, all these different practices, conflict resolution, nonviolent communication, like there's just so many. And, and for me, the question is to find the skills and energy that you have around you and to, and to ask what's the need in our group right now and then see if you can kind of find a match. Um, I want to put a special plug in for Joanna Macy's work because it creates a space where we can deal with the size of our feelings. Um, I haven't talked about it very much, but that business of carrying emotions around and not having space to let ourselves feel them I think is one of the biggest things that saps our energy. And, and causes conflict when we let our anger out and frustration on our colleagues rather than expressing it in a clean space. But, but I'd say, you know, find whatever ones you can resource yourself for and that feel appropriate. Well, thank, thank you, you, everyone, for, for your... Yeah, I was just going to say the same thing. Thank you. Sophie, I'm going to hand it back over to you in just a moment. Um, first of all, I want to thank you. I have a few quick announcements, and then we'll hear from Sophie for a final word and reflection. Um, we are going to run a, about three or four minutes over, so if everyone can hang tight, that would be great. So first of all, I just want to you know, honor that this call has been brought to you by a collaboration between Gaia University and the Transition Network. So we just listened to Sophie Banks on Building Personal Resilience how to sustain momentum, which is the third call in a four-part series on transition conversations. The next call is on Tuesday of next week, March 4th, the same time, same place. We have Dr. Tom Henfrey speaking about how does change happen and what is the transition model of change. So I hope that you'll join us for that call series. It has the same registration link as today's call. And Guy University and the Transition Network both have various call series that they do throughout the year. So stay tuned for updates um, either on the website or you'll be invited to um, partake in a newsletter coming up in the next weeks or months. And with that, I want to thank our presenter, Sophie Banks, for, for guiding us through these deep questions on such an important topic. Sophie, if you could just wrap up your thoughts in about a minute, and then I'll turn everyone's mics on and we can sign off. Sophie? Thanks, Jennifer. Um, all I really want to say is thank you all for joining. I hope it's been useful for you. Um, I hope that you'll find ways to stay in touch with Transition Network. You know, I'm always interested if there's stories or questions around inner transition. Um, feel free to get in touch with me. And 
I hope this also gives you something that you can take back with your groups and pass on and share with other people. So, yeah, I wish you well in whatever form of balance works for you. Um, and take care of yourselves. Great. Thank you, Sophie. So the audio recording will be made available to folks. It will be posted on the the website, and it should be, when this call series is over, emailed out to everyone who signed up. I hope if you have any questions about that or if something doesn't come through, you can email me at jennifer at guyuniversity.org, or you can email Narash from the Transition Town Initiative. Well, I very much enjoyed the call. I hope you did as well. I'm going to turn everyone's mics on so you can shout out your um, gratitude and salutations. Thanks a lot, Sophie. Yourself, Bye, everyone. Hello, Bye. Hi. Hi. Thank you. Good night. Good night. Session. Bye. Ciao for now. Ciao. Thank you, Sophie. Thank you.